clean cut, but morally corrupt. It's forwards, backwards podcast, not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe and not from the Gimme Some Truth studios. This week we talk birds, birds, and more birds. As always, I'm joined by the Clotho and Lachesis to my Atropos, Kyle Carr, the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting, and Dan Fallon, who is not. Dan, Kyle, would you rather play 15 pounds for a single match or $5 monthly for NBC Peacock? <laughs> I mean, you got to go up the $5. It's funny how as much as we bitch and moan about Peacock, it is looking more and more like the better deal than what's going on in the Premier League. And I, I'm going to go back to this statement. It was never free. You just bummed a cable login from someone else, therefore making it free for you. It was still part of a cable package, so you still had to pay for it. But you know what? I'll, I will be okay with $5 a month to stream a Liverpool match every once in a while. And I still get to watch other TV shows, so I guess it balances out compared to paying $15 just to watch a team lose 6-1. to one. Well, and then you get all the replays, you know. I'm just imagining the, the, you know, caterwauling that would come from a certain former writer of Sports Illustrated fame if he lived in the UK and suddenly had to hook up a whole new stream to, to watch a single match. Dan, uh, you know, what, what do you think about all of this? Um, Peacock's technical difficulties notwithstanding, $5 a month is relatively easy to, to, to fit into the monthly budget for my soccer watching. I will say I think NBC is missing a trick here. I would be willing to pay much more than $5 a month if I could watch every Premier League game uh, live on Peacock. Um, and with regards to the $15 or 15 pounds per match, which I believe, Keith, can you give us a, uh, is that $26-ish in the current? No, dollars? no, no. Current exchange rate's much lower, like $1.3 to the pound of dollars to the pound. So Okay. Okay. So like 20 bucks. Yeah. So about 20 bucks. Um, but yeah, this is starting to fall into the um, Premier League trying to blow all of the goodwill that they have with their with their supporters um, with news that our club and a certain other club in the north of England are leading a charge to kind of create a, an American style <laughs> smorgasbord of money for the biggest clubs and then charging uh, their supporters 15 pounds to watch a match. Um, I think they are very quickly flittering away any goodwill they, they might still retain with their, with their loyal subjects. Here's what I'm going to say. People are going to pay it. Here's what I wouldn't have paid 15 pounds for. That match yesterday from Hart Park. <laughs> That's what I not, would not have paid 15 pounds for. Uh, that was not, uh, that was, uh, you know, we'll get to the Keith Boniwas scale of turgitude later, but, uh, let's just say it was not, it was not my idea of a, of a good time. Uh, Dan, you wanted to mention that you're no longer a Kylian Mbappe fan for some reason. It was, it was revealed to me today that, um, Monsieur Mbappe, uh, his childhood room was adorned with only posters of one footballer uh, who goes by the name Portuguese Ronaldo. 
and uh, not a fan for many, many, many reasons. Uh, and uh, also, you know, even when I was a big Mets fan, I had a Gary Carter poster and a Daryl Strawberry poster and a Dwight Gooden poster. I didn't just lock in and have 20 posters of uh, Keith Hernandez. You know, like I, you got to have a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, variety to your your fandom is the way I feel. So, uh, also, would he, also, would he, you was, say this offends you more as a Ronaldo Portuguese Ronaldo hater or more as an interior decorator, more as a student of mid-century modern interior decoration? Why can't we have both? You're, you're, mostly as a mostly as a Portuguese Ronaldo hater, we got okay. here. But you know, I, you know, as always, the question is: Does it offend you as a Jew, Jerry? No, it offends me as a comedian. That's always the important question. And I think the decorating issue you raise is is quite crucial. Even at twelve, thirteen, you got to have a little variety. You can't just have Ronaldo. I mean, and he's French. He had some great French players of that era. I mean, where Correct. is the Thierry Henry poster, quite frankly? Correct. Correct. That's, that's I mean, that's kind of disappointing. I mean, yes. everybody should have a, a Thierry Henry poster. I think, well, uh, you know. And if he's a fan of Real Madrid because of Portuguese Ronaldo being on that club for a majority of the time as Mbappe is growing up, you really couldn't even get Benzema? Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, you can even get Kareem Benzema. Yes, he has his own issues. <laughs> We're jumping out of a fl- frying pan into another fire there with Benzema. <laughs> but you know what? You could have at least thrown him on there if you wanted a French player. I, I, like, how Benzema, I like how Benzema has uh, he's taken the, I assume everyone's kind of forgotten what a scumbag I am approach to, like, where he keeps being, like, why don't I get picked for the French national team? And he makes us think <laughs> about things like just acting like nobody remembers that he's a complete and utter trash human being. Um, I actually think he doesn't get as much credit as he deserves for what he's done at Madrid. I mean, he's been a, a phenomenal performer for them for many, years. He was many the reason years. why they won the title after, during the restart. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a guy who never, you know, never got his due there, but uh, when he when he cries foul over being left out of the French team, I I always have to chuckle that like I can read and I know what you did. <laughs> Re- refresh my memory again. He helped his friends try to blackmail his teammate. Correct. Correct. He was just the messenger, is what he yeah. claimed. That yeah. his friends just wanted to just wanted to have a conversation with. Uh, I believe was it Marco Verratti? Was it Verratti? I thought it might have been Ribéry. I thought it was Azri. Yeah, you know. I mean, Nazareth was too busy. Nazareth was too busy blood spinning in a parking lot and in, in, uh, in, in a come and go in Minnesota. <laughs> That's why FC Belvedere Oasis is so great. That that blood spinning they do is just tremendous. Oh, that's probably why Weston stopped there on the way on the way to to, to Wisconsin. He was going to do a little blood spinning. Uh, that might explain his performance in the beer chug. Boom! That's what we were all going for. Dan set you up and you brought it home and he, he won his race. Uh, also there's some dispute and let's be honest, Cam won his race because he did not vomit. Um, but that does bring up something, Kyle, we have to talk a little bit about you putting out a request to go on league one unfiltered, even though we have now we have met and hung out with with Weston and we love Cam Weston is dead to us. And we refuse to appear on that podcast 
under any circumstances. So if you do appear, so show up as Schmile Schmar. Um, you know, I can go by another alias. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, just uh, I was not there this weekend, so uh, I have to make or, it for you know, or show up as Kyle Carr from the Brew Hoops podcast and just keep <laughs> insisting to talk about about basketball just to piss off Cam. I think that would piss off Cam. Yes, I think West, Weston would like it too much, though. I think right, he's he's uh, that's one of their complaints is that he's always comparing things to the NBA. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we can't make Weston happy. This is we're in a, we're in a real a real bind, Kyle. If you go on that podcast, I'm just just putting it out there. Notice, no, Dan, nobody invites you or I anywhere. Well, I did want to I wanted to clarify, Keith. You said that under no circumstances would quote unquote we. I mean, I, I have a pretty low bar for what it would take for me to go on that podcast. So I, I probably would go on without you, just, just to set the record straight. Fine, fine. I'm the only remaining person here with principles and standards. That's, that's fine. And I have standards. They're just, this is not part of my standards. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I, will... I have very strict standards on soccer posters. I don't have as strict standards on soccer podcast participation. And decorating. By the way, uh, you shouldn't, listeners at home and those of you watching on the simulcast can see that Dan's walls are essentially bare. Um, <laughs> and so what I would recommend is just sending him all of your old Cristiano Ronaldo posters because uh, he's got a big wall that uh, needs covering. And so I think he would really like a lot of CR7 posters. Pre- preferable well, ones where he's like pointing the finger at someone because they didn't pass him the ball so he could blast one into the 30th row through three defenders, right? Those are your favorites? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, or maybe something in a Manchester United kit. Or the one where he had to watch Portugal win a major tournament while standing on the sidelines and crutches. That, that, that made me feel pretty good, too. But he apparently, you know, was coaching the team. And that, he was. He was, the, he was then the head coach of the team. His, his spirit guided them to victory in that final. Um, at least he didn't John Terry it and put on the full kit to raise, raise the trophy. I, I was even money on him going full kit and coming out and pretending like he played in the whole game. Little known fact, uh, Bronislav Ivanovic also came out as a full kit wanker at that final. But what that revealed is nobody hates Bronislav Ivanovic, so they didn't slaughter him for it for the next uh, decade because people think he's actually a decent guy. I didn't even know he was on the team at that point. That's how irrelevant he was. At the <laughs> well, time. actually, he, he was quite a, he, I think he was a starter on that team. And that was the famous um, interview where he found out in the second leg of the semifinal after the match, the reporter said to him, well, you know, you got booked tonight and you're not playing in the final. And he didn't know that yet. Uh, and so the guy like broke the news to him in the postgame interview and his face went, uh, I think ashen would be the word that would be huh. used. But, um, yeah, I think he was he was a pretty regular player in that that year. He's coming back. He's back with West Brom, I believe. Right, came back to the Premiership. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I feel like his peak was like 2014, 2015. It's like when he was at his peak, and then it was like a steep decline right after that. Because <laughs> my brother, oh. who is a Chelsea fan, I just remember every once in a while he would just spend five minutes complaining about Ivanovic and how he needs to leave the team, and I felt like it was a quick one eighty. <laughs> Once I feel like outside backs, just from like your casual fans perspective, defenders in particular, once they like cross over, you just start noticing every mistake 
that they make and you're like, well, this guy's trash, you know, uh, you, you know, you, you like, you just, he has the, the, the defender has that one mistake. And once that one mistake happens, then you start noticing all of their follow-ups and you're just constantly like, Oh, that guy's garbage. That guy's done. Whereas like with attackers, I feel like there's a more gradual, you know, because really a lot of the times we don't pay that much attention to like all the good things. It's the same thing with goalkeepers, right? You know, a goalkeeper starts, has that one mistake that they get caught out on. And then you start noticing all the, the smaller mistakes and every mishandled ball. And, and then they end up as Loris Carius and they're, you know, pitching their trade in Malta. I mean, that's kind of what happens. I thought you were going to use this as a, as a segue into talking about Jiro Bariga, Messi, Toyama. Uh, Who is apparently as- the world's greatest dribbler now. <laughs> and still listed as a forward on our roster, official USL roster, despite an entire season played at left back. But well, I digress. Nobody, Neil, that's, Neil is hoping still that he can get away with that one. Like he puts Toyama F on the, on the, on the sheet and, and the opposing coach is going, oh, maybe this week they're going to switch it up and play him at forward. Trick us, trick us. And then they're like, oh, Jiro, right back. We did not plan for that in the 30 minutes between the n- announcement of the rosters in the game. Well, they, they I mean, he, Neil pulled the wool over my eyes on Sunday. I, I assumed uh, it looked to me like we were coming out in a 4-2-3-1, uh, but pretty clearly it was just JC playing in the uh, Don spot on the right of the, of the forward three. So I thought maybe we were switching things up a little bit to unlock some creativity, but we kind of just went with, just a slightly different starting 11. Um, Listeners, before. no creativity was unlocked. <laughs> Except for Jiro, who again uh, had a... Our, our first point, and for those of you who actually want us to talk about whatever that thing was at Hard Park on Sunday, uh, it was... there. You are really tipping your turgidity hat. Well, here's what I'm going to say. You know, they moved that game up earlier to make sure that everybody got home in time for curfew needn't have worried because everybody wanted to get home and go to sleep because point the first in our three points of matchup, the gold drought continues. Now, Kyle, you, uh, you made a good point on the Twitter machine today. Uh, basically talking about from the, uh, forward Madison perspective, the, the, the defense has been tremendously strong with, with this particular back four. Yeah, but the back four of Jiro, Josiah, Turbo, and Pato, it has allowed four goals in eight games. So 0.5 goals allowed per game, which is really, really good. And that's with a rotation of keepers between Phil and Chris Brady. And I think they deserve a lot of plaudits. I feel like they, it's just been really quiet. Uh, we haven't talked much about how well the defense is doing, even if you rotate putting in someone like Eli or Gustavo Fernandez, who had a huge goal line clearance. Four Madison has allowed nine goals in what 12 matches, which is second in the league, only behind Greenville, who have allowed eight. So defensively, everything that we want out of that core group of players, they've done exactly what they needed to, and they've kept Ford Madison in these games. And they haven't allowed more than two goals all season. And honestly, I think if it wasn't for the fact that they couldn't score any goals, we'd be talking about, well, this team defensively could do enough to get for Madison in the final and potentially win it just because of how well they've been. 
And it's the same thing as last year that we saw from them as well. They've been defensively as good as you can hope and it's carried over. And I think that back four in particular deserves a huge shout out because again, four goals in eight games and two of them were in that one Tucson away game. That's really freaking good. And that's again, I think it needed to be brought up. And I think it's something that we haven't really talked about both us and like us as Ford Madison fans and nationally in terms of other league podcasts, it's just been quietly going under the radar. So are you secretly calling out league one unfiltered? Huh? Are you secretly calling out league one unfiltered? West I mean, it could be League One Unfiltered. It could be League One Fun. It could be, you know, I don't know, the Beautiful Game Network in general. It could be other podcasts. Every, it just, everyone applies to it. Just say it. Weston, we hate your guts. <laughs> if he doesn't mention this in his next episode, then I will particularly call him out because Mr. Stats himself, that is a big stat to understand. So while Fort Madison haven't scored any goals, they have at least not allowed any goals in a long time. And and Kyle, it's a great point. I mean, I think, and not only that, like we just don't give up chances, you know, like this isn't, you know, you can sometimes look at a defensive performance of a team and be like, well, they got lucky or, you know, the goalie bailed them out. I mean, when you look back through our games, there are a lot of matches where teams have very, very few clear looks at goal. And I can, you know, I'm I'm not going to go through all nine goals that we've conceded this year, but you know, early on, I can remember two or three goals that were, were directly from mistakes made by our defenders. And I think as soon as they got that out of their system, they've been, they've been shut down. I mean, it's been, um, it's been impressive to watch and I'm sure it's frustrating for them to to be pitching all these shutouts and then, you know, just can't get a goal at the other end of the pitch. Uh, Well, and I think, you know, in terms of not allowing chances, I didn't see what the save of the match was. It may have gone to Gustavo Fernandez for his, goal line clearance it Uh, did (laughs) uh, it sure did yeah uh chris brady did not have all that much to do i mean if if that hadn't happened um it you know it may have been like it was what two weeks ago where the uh save of the match was chris brady picking up a slow roller um, (laughs) coming into the box so and, and you know the other thing that as numerous folks on twitter noticed as the match went on, you started seeing Omaha trying their luck a little bit more from the outside, which is a offensive realization that we're having a hard time getting into the the spaces we want to create. And, you know, with a team like Omaha, a lot of their chances come off of that, that press and forward was not giving up the ball in in dangerous positions to them um, and, and doing a good job of kind of moving things there. Um, I'd like to, however, in my you know role as designated chicken little of the podcast, um, kind of focus on the fact that we're not scoring any goddamn goals. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but it seemed like we had a rotation, uh, 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 you know, midfield that was was starting to click with JC and Michael Vang. Um, and then we, we, you know, and I said this last week, we, we rotated and we have Ovalle and now we're working JC out on the right wing. Um, and it, we just don't seem like a team right now that knows how to score goals. If teams aren't giving us chances, making mistakes, we can't create chances either. I mean, early on, Dan, I guess we had a couple of chances. You would, you know, we had talked about 
before the pod? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Jiro created a couple of chances. Um, he had that, I think there were two or three crosses he had probably in about the first 10 to 15, 20 minutes of the match uh, that, you know, we could have maybe done a little better with. He, I'm not giving him a tough time, but like he, he had a chance to pick out Woj um, with a little bit more of a cutback instead of kind of screaming it across the six, which was still, it was still a good ball, but Woj was kind of standing unmarked. Um, and yeah. And then after that, that was kind of it until JC got our only shot on goal late in the first half. But I mean, you know, in the first half, I kind of felt like, okay, we're going to get a goal in this game. It felt like we were controlling the game. They never looked dangerous when they came into our final third we looked definitely more dangerous in the first half um, than we did in the second half. Uh, so I was, I was actually feeling pretty confident at halftime. Like, okay, like we're getting Giro has been really, really uh, busy down that left side. You know, when him and Paulo are kind of interchanging, um, it gives teams fits down that side and that seemed to be happening. And then we just couldn't kind of get over the hump and get a goal. But, you know, unfortunately the one, I think actually the best chance we had um, was JC shot in the second half where he, and not necessarily a shot, but if I, I think what uh, the ball, the cross that came in, if I can't remember if it was Woj, but someone got a toe on it. And if they hadn't gotten it, if they would have just let it run, JC was basically walking in to take, to have a, have a shot from about six, eight yards out, but it got nicked and he, he hadn't had to kind of take that like wider run and then took it down to the side and then, um, and I think he did the right thing, trying to just blast it over the goalie's shoulder. Uh, and I think it looked a lot closer than maybe it, it looked like he almost roofed that. Um, but yeah, and, and again, like in the second half, then it kind of just turned into, you know, those matches we've been seeing a lot of lately where we're just, we seem to be losing ideas and it's not a whole lot happening. There's not a whole lot of chances being created. And, and the stats in the end reflect that. I mean, just like the one shot on goal, they actually, I think, had a couple more shots than we did. Um, although, you know, I think almost five, five or six of the shots from outside of the box, but, um, yeah, very, very frustrating. And, and I think we'll, you know, we'll get into it, but, you know, maybe some questions about, you know, why we didn't kind of go for broke in the last 15 minutes, given that a draw really doesn't help us if we're being, I mean, <laughs> I've been saying this for three weeks that we need to win out. So I can't start being like, yeah, you know, a draw was okay here it's a decent result against Omaha for sure. Um, but it's not what we need. Uh, well, well, what I was going to say is, uh, on the early chances, um, section O resident, uh, is his name on Twitter. I forget his exact Twitter handle, but he said, uh, you know, uh, forward Madison seems to not understand that the goal of the game is not to pass the ball untouched through the six yard box. Um, cause we had about three class, three crosses early on there where it just, kind of went right through uh Kyle anything else to add in terms of lack of ideas or or you know lack of goals frustration with life I mean at this point what the last five games so basically since the Greenville loss Ford Madison scored zero one at Tucson one against Chattanooga zero against Tucson again zero today against Omaha and yeah when especially after the Greenville match you had to win out and in order to win out, you got to score. And I don't know, other than the Tucson game, they haven't created chances where you feel good about a shot going in. It just feels like, 
I don't know. It felt as though maybe they're trying to do the get the early goal, and as soon as you can get it, then you try and bunker down, which is fine if you create enough chances to justify feeling that way. But it feels as though we're going too, too counter-tacking. <clears throat> and then after that, I don't know. Like, I feel like last year they would run at the defense. Like, Don would take it and he would run at the defense and that would get him a shot. Or Paulo would run at the defense and create something. JC would take the ball and run. And it feels like they're not running at the defense. They're kind of, other than Giro, they're kind of just passing it around, hoping for the best. And then you whip it across that no one gets to. It just feels like idea wise. I don't know if it's Daryl's instructions. I don't know if them if them not following the instructions or what's going on. But it just feels as though there really isn't any creativity or trying. It just feels like it's hoping for the best, and maybe you get lucky on a cross. Maybe you get lucky that a goalie spills it. But there's not other than the Tucson match. There wasn't really any variety of how we're going to create a chance. Well, and, and uh, Dan, um, you know, you brought up and we'll talk a little bit more about the after we touch on, because uh, one of the subs that came in was Gustavo Fernandez, who had uh, a great clearance uh, off the line. But the last five minutes, um, and it's one of the things, if you've watched a fair amount of Omaha matches, and I think it has to do a little bit with that pressing style that they have, right? Other teams start to fade. They've come from behind and, and you know, Kyle has watched more of their matches probably than anybody else uh, on this podcast, but they seem to come from behind a lot, Kyle. Um, and, and they almost had another opportunity with those late game heroics. Well, I was just going to say, like, just from having watched them twice this year, they, they look like a really physical in shape fit team. And that's not saying that we're not, but they just, the way they play. And again, like the fact that they can, they can kind of turn it on late in matches speaks to a fitness level and, uh, and, you know, and they, and they, they do sit in a little bit. I mean, I, it was a weird game in that, you know, I think they outpossessed us. Um, but at times like, you know, and I think Daryl <laughs> took, made this clear in the, in the post game interview where he said there was only one team that was actually trying to win the match. I'm sure, uh, Omaha will take a little bit of, uh, I would say there were not, no teams trying. To I would, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think he felt like they were sitting in clogging lanes and then trying to hit on the counter. Um, but yeah, they've just struck me as a very fit, strong uh, physical team. Both times we've played them. I mean, Which and contributes and they, to their ability to come back. I feel like, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why that, cause the Tormenta game especially is what highlights what they were able to do. They were down two goals early but as soon as they got that first goal in the second half, you kind of knew they're going to get that second goal. It's just a matter of one. And you could, and they, that's when they were starting to turn up. It seemed like they went another gear and maybe they didn't go another gear. They were just fit that that gear that they were in previously is just more sustainable. And I don't, but that's something with a team that is going to go out. They're going to use their press. They're going to try and create stuff. And with Fort Madison, it doesn't seem as though, they're going to try. I mean, both teams had to win that game. And while Omaha can somewhat be okay with the draw, they were, they couldn't at least settle for a draw if need be, because at points wise, they're now level with Richmond. Richmond just have a game in hand, but it seemed like neither team. Yeah. I would, I would say neither team really went out to try and win that game. It just seemed like neither team was trying not to lose it because if they lose and then they're effectively out, but by doing so, they kind of, I don't want to say like 
were afraid to take the chances, but it seemed like they were playing. Yeah. They were playing not to lose, which is going to put you in a position where you're not going to succeed regardless. Well, and you know, Madison has way less leeway, right? If you're union Omaha and here's the other thing, you know, going in, they've got, you know, fewer matches down the, down the stretch than forward does. Right. Um, they have a couple of tough matches, but they have Fort Lauderdale at home, right. Coming into the, the home stretch and that, you know, uh, but they also have Greenville, um, Richmond. If you look at their, you know, kind of down the, down the road, they've got South Tormenta, um, you know, they've got, they've got Orlando city B and then the sad wolves, uh, on the last day of the season, Madison, let's just say are done. We're right now in eighth position. We've got, you know, four matches to play, but, uh, we are sitting at seven points off. So, you know, basically we need those teams to get no points in their remaining matches and us to win all of our matches. Um, it's, I mean, I said they were done. I figured they were done, especially after the Tucson where they lost yeah. losing at Greenville hurt, but you can maybe think if you can take points, if you draw one of the matches, maybe you draw at Omaha against Omaha, but you win out, then you have a chance. But after the Tucson loss, it was like, they don't, they're done. I mean, Regardless. you also have to remember there's a newly resurgent with the return of Domus to, to North Texas. They're newly resurgent. You might say, um, and they're on 20 points as well with uh, three games to play. So, and, and look, I, I think we're not going to make excuses about this forward Madison team, but I think, and, and when you look at the lack of ideas and just the general sense I got from watching that, that match, this just seems like a, a team that's kind of mentally tired. Um, and when you think about as well, and we talked about this, you know, when you signed up to play for Ford Madison going into this year, you weren't expecting to, you know, play in a, in that stadium in front of maybe a thousand people, you know, uh, nine of whom were uh, Omaha, Union Omaha fans who were just so terribly loud, as Gary Green pointed out on on Twitter. Even though, um, you know, his picture of the nine of the 11 fans included two Lansing common fans. So what is that? 18% three, three. I didn't see cam in that picture. Oh, maybe cam. Okay. Maybe cam. There were 11. I saw Dustin and, and, uh, and, uh, Weston. Um, so, you know, what is that? 18% of your fans, your away section aren't actually, uh, union Omaha fans. I hate to get into facts and figures with the Omaha people, <laughs> you know, it's a bit like pissing into the wind. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you haven't lived until you've pissed into a strong wind, Keith. You you only do that once, Dan. You only do that once. Uh, Don't try it in Ireland. Don't try it in Ireland. The winds there are much stronger. And, you know, uh, that's, you know, you only try it once, twice if you drink a lot, like I have, and then you only do it once. Um, but you know, the, this is not, it just, if you're a professional, this can't feel like a professional season, you know, traveling to Wisconsin Dells to practice, traveling to Hart Park to play in that glorified high school stadium. You know, it just can't feel like a professional season right now. And so, I mean, it just seems, and maybe I'm projecting my own feelings about the season onto the players, but they just kind of seem, you know, a little checked out. Head shaking, nodding, 
Dan? Yes and no. Like, yes, I think it's definitely draining. I think it's a factor. But other than the two game, like the three game stretch where it was Tormenta, OCB, and Revs 2, I mean, this attack has not clicked all year. Yeah. They've scored the third lowest amount of goals. And the only two teams below them are Tormenta, which that was shocking, but they have their own set of issues and OCB. Yeah. So, yes, it is a factor, but I don't think it's the main reason, especially when it seems like things were turning around, then it just stalled again. So, yeah. And I mean, yeah, you don't sign up with Four Madison expecting to play in Hard Park with fans that aren't going to cheer. You signed up for Four Madison to play in Breeze Newton's Field in front of 5,000 people and a thousand of whom are in the flock and going all out. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm, how do I, I, I don't, again, I don't want to, like you said, Keith, I don't want to give excuses, but this is just a completely bizarre season. Um, and my concern now is like the, you know, the mojo seems to have left, right? They're not scoring goals, still good defensively, but now you're into this like Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, um, with trips to Florida and Chattanooga. And this is really, you know, you lose that Fort Lauderdale game and then it's like definitely over. And, you know, how does the season kind of play out? So I'm just, I guess I'm a little more concerned over the next couple of weeks, like how they kind of respond to kind of where they're at. And, um, you know, we haven't actually seen, you know, there's a lot of talk about bringing some of the players that they brought in and it was done to kind of provide some rotation. Um, but we really haven't seen too much of that. And, you know, got some guys that, you know, the, the, um, the two young other than Brady from Chicago, we haven't seen them really play much at all in recent weeks. Uh, Louis Bennett was on the bench this week. Um, you know, I think Brandon's coming back from some sort of injury. Uh, and so, you know, we, we haven't seen a lot of the players getting a lot of playing time. So I do worry a little bit about, you know, where they're at physically. And, you know, and I said this last week and, you know, I, it's not clear to me they've gotten the best out of Woj and the way we're playing. Is that really how a big target? He, Cause he, he looks like an old school target number nine. He probably wants balls played into him and wants balls crossed in. Uh, and you could even see it on yesterday where the, the you know, we had, as the, the Twitter comment said, we were great at putting the ball across the six yard box, but nobody was there. So that's either a misunderstanding of, where Woj wants to get the ball or he's not getting to the spot where he knows it's going to be crossed. This, to, this so. in terms of as well, not getting the most out of Woj comes into kind of the, the final point I had, which is I thought the, the sub pattern again was baffling. Right. Um, and part of it too, is we sub Fuson in for Woj and we got Woj because he's a, he's a pure number nine He's a goal scorer. We're in a match. It's nil-nil. We need a goal, and we're pulling him out. Now, I understand the appeal of adding Fuson, who adds something different, right? But as well, if you're a well-oiled attack, shifting from a guy like a classic number nine target to a guy like Fuson, who's more of a gadfly attacker, doesn't operate in that, those same sort of spaces exactly, you can't necessarily find him fixed, that's going to throw any kind of attacking pattern that you have drilled 
out the window. Now I can understand as well, desperation, we need a goal. We're not going to make the final if we don't get the goal. We bring in Fuson to supplement and we go to two up top with four, you know, two center midfielders and those outside guys pushing forward. Fine. So that we end up almost in a four, two, four, and then you bomb the outside backs. So that's the first kind of buff baffling sub to me. We needed a goal. We were told all off season, this was the guy that, that we needed. Right. And we started seeing it a little bit early in the year. And when the team was clicking a little bit, you know, he was getting the chances. And even when we got the garbage goal from, from Vang, uh, you know, where he was the one that headed the ball on net and Vang, you know, got it in. But now we're in a period where we need goals and we're bringing out our number nine. You know, it just either it says we don't have a clear idea of how to attack and we just think let's throw some people up top or, you know, we don't have confidence in this guy that we thought we had all this, you know, who I thought looked at the beginning of the year like a pure class striker. Um, So that's kind of baffling. And then taking Giro out who was our, I mean, and has been consistently our number one most dangerous player and was our number number one most dangerous player again on the day, just didn't make any sense to me. Um, and so, you know, and then, you know, there, there are other things related to that, but those are the two big ones that I was just, I, I just don't get it, I guess. Yeah. When yeah you're, I, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Kyle. I was going to say, when you're, when you need to win, yeah, I don't understand that logic, but I mean, Daryl's been doing that all season where he takes out Woj and puts in Fusan. So I don't know if that's just like a something that they train and they practice so they're used to it. I don't know. I think, you know, I wonder if they're trying to, with Fusan, maybe it's more of a counter, like they get the ball and Fusan has the legs to get behind the back line. That's the only logical thing you can think of, but at the same time, when you're struggling to get goals for the last couple matches and you need a goal. You, you have to keep Wojad. He is a guy that all he needs is some bit of space to create something. And I, I think that's been the odd part taking out Jiro again, someone that was consistently the only one that can create something out of nothing. That's a little odd. I, you know, I think it's one of those where is it, you don't want to upset some of the players and that's why you're not taking them out because Again, like if if you desperately need a goal and Paulo and Don aren't the ones creating it, then you have to at least I mean, you can put in Eli and move Jiro up and take Paulo's spot, or you can bring in Noah Fusan, have him play off of Woj and just put him on the right wing, take Don out. You can, you know, take out Ovaye if you need an extra attacker in the midfield, and you can you know, maybe put in Jamil Cox. It's just one of those where yeah, you need a goal, so taking out your best attacking threats is a little baffling. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of with you guys and just like kind of looking at it, you know, so the, the three subs that happened, let's say with enough time left to kind of impact the game, Don came in from Mike Vang. So, you know, we'll call that a, just a swap, right? Cause then Don went to his normal position. JC dropped into the midfield um, and why then do, why do you, why do you keep Ovaye in? Right. Why not go to, I, I'm, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. And then the next two were Fuson and Jamal Cox coming in for, um, for Paulo and Woj. So again, just like for like, um, and it really wasn't until that 85th minute sub, which I still found strange that we were taking Jiro off. 
And basically what happened was there was some rejiggering of where guys were and Josiah went up as the kind of auxiliary number nine to try and get on the end of the cross, which, okay, but I'm, I'm in the, I mean, we yeah, saw his, his 25 yarder last week. So there is some evidence. <laughs> yes. yes. But I'm with you guys in that my first move would have been to probably pull one of Eric or Ovalle for another attacking player, whether that was Fuson or, or another midfielder and then gone with two up top, which have we, have those two been on the pitch together at all? Um, it just seemed to me like, I understand we don't know what's going on with guys' injuries. We don't know what's going on with guys' fitness levels. If, you know, like if someone's like, listen, I can give you 70 minutes today and that's all I got. But this seemed like this was the game. Like this was the one to let, you know, it's nil nil with 30 minutes left. We got to win. You know, everything seemed kind of like for like, like we're just swapping in the same player for a different player that plays kind of similar. And the only roll of the dice was this, Josiah going forward at the end. And I, I just kind of found it all a little like unsatisfying. Like why aren't we playing like uh, even like a three, four, three or a three, five, two or something like where you got two guys up front. So I'm, I'm on, I'm kind of with you guys. Uh, I just found it a little strange and, and it was kind of a, it was kind of frustrating to have the match kind of peter out that way. Where it's like, why don't we just go for broke just, you know, um, and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I, I also just, I don't understand. We haven't played Vang and JC. And when we, when we were clicking, it seemed like those guys had developed an understanding. They had started and we haven't played them together. We've been starting Ovalle and JC or Ovalle and Vang, but not, and, and look, Fido scored a goal in his first match. Congratulations. It was great. He's undoubtedly a very talented player, but like, you know, we bring him in midway through the season, first of all, and insert any steps right in over Michael Vang, who I think is, we would have a hard time arguing is the best offensive force we've got on the team, you know, so far in terms of production and what he's created. I mean, he had a streak of six or seven games and JC Banks, who I think most of us would say, relatively speaking, is like a top quality player in terms of, the experience, his awareness, his knowledge. I felt, you know, it hasn't been necessarily reflected on the score sheet this year. Um, I, fe- I thought he was going to get a goal. You know, at some point during the season, he was getting in the right spots. It just wasn't breaking for him. And, you know, JC as well has been with the team since the beginning of last year. So if, you, if we have a way that we're playing in terms of going forward, you would think he's the guy that understands it, right? if we don't have a way that we're playing going forward, then you just throw in Ovalle and you know, who gives a shit because maybe he's faster or can, but if we have a way of playing, then JC should not be just, you know, drop slid in and out. Now he's had, he had a little bit of injuries, but he, he seems to me the guy that, you know, if, if we're playing a certain way based on what I've seen, based on what I've heard, he understands the game as well as anybody on the, on the team and he should be out there, you know, kind of directing traffic. And part of that, I wonder, is how much of that is the tactics going in itself? Because it, we keep seeing this 4-3-3, three, three, but really it's a 4-2-3-1 that's a little, that's more narrow. Yeah. And I don't know, and I guess like, and that's been, this has been the thing I've been wondering is, 
they have done so well defensively, but at what cost is it to the attack? And I think that's where I think it's this is intentional, where tactically, again, they're okay with a one zero get it, hope you get an early goal and bunker down the rest of the time. And I think that's just what is being that's what they're aiming for. And the problem is I it just hasn't come to fruition. Because I feel like last year when they went on that run, they got the early goal or they got a goal early enough that you can then bunker down and hope for the best and it worked out. And this year they haven't gotten that early goal. And instead of trying to go all out, it just seems as though it's still reverting to the, well, it's easy. It's easier to make a goal out of nothing than to try and make up a goal deficit. And again, I don't know with Ovai if that's more the tactics that they're going with. Of we're going to go with the four-two-three-one. We have Eric who can more be defensive. Ovai can pop up and maybe take a shot outside the box. I don't know. I don't know if they're intentionally trying to keep a defensive structure, which is why the attack has been so lackluster. But uh, you know, and I would just one. I, I don't want to belabor this, but you know, I actually I think Ovai. I. I you know, if I'm just looking at our our midfield options, I think he should be starting every game. I mean, I think he's he's shown himself to be – I think he's probably our best two-way midfielder. I think he um, he can – you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying who he should start over, but I could see, you know, especially in a game that you need to win, a midfield of him, JC, and and Vang starting, I would be, I would be okay with that. I know Keith – that'll really rankle your Eric Leonard fan club president status. But uh, I, I think, you know, and, and looking at Ovalle's stats from this weekend, I mean, he, he, I think he had the highest pass completion percentage on the field. He was winning duels all over the place, um, picked up a yellow card in the first minute and then managed to walk the, uh, the tightrope for the next 85 minutes. But um, I, I'm not arguing that he's a, he's a supremely talented player. I mean, there's a reason why he's in the FC Toronto Academy system. My and argument is Toronto FC too. Yeah, like he was a captain. Yeah, uh, my argument is the the way we play. It seems to me there there should be enough sophistication that a guy has to get bedded in a little bit more, uh, you know, and understanding it. Um, and I, I just that leads to my sense that the midfield just seems. While he's completing passes, are we are we completing passes to an end? Is is it going? Well, so- yeah, I think we all agree that there seems to be a lack of clarity on how we're approaching games offensively. And look, I, I think if Ovalle is as good as everybody thinks, and and I would concur, maybe he should step in for Leonard, especially as we need to get some goals. Um, the other thing that I'll say is, look, we've had this good you know run, but. Remember, like, we haven't conceded a goal in three matches basically at home, you know, and we've scored one goal in three matches at home. So generally, just from a footballing tactics perspective, when a team goes on the road, they're going to bunker down and be a little bit more defensive to begin with, right? The, the counterattacking style can work pretty well on the road, but when you're at home, you know, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I hate to point this out to you, you gotta, you know, you gotta take it to the other team a little bit, and I'm just not mm-hmm. seeing where that's coming across. And look, Ovaya is a good player. Don't get me wrong, talented, but like, are we so bereft of ideas or organization in that midfield that we can just 
plug another guy in and it doesn't take him any time to learn what we're doing. Apparently. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to turn this into, you know, the, the me ranting and raving about er- everything that's gone wrong. That we're, well, we're, and I think of it this way, if the regular playoff format with six teams, are we, is this as much of an alarming concern? If was it, it was going to be six teams this year. Six teams, first two get a buy, three and four would host, five and six. Okay. And at the current trajectory, Ford Madison would at least be one of the six. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, look, so here's I think the other in a thing. normal season, is this as much of a concern? Maybe not. I think if we would treat it like last year, it was like, okay, you're doing exactly what you need to do. You're not dropping points, you're not hurting yourself. But when it's two teams and Richmond are gifting opportunities, losing two straight, you're kind of looking at like, well, Shit. And now, I mean, the next four matches, you're playing Fort Lauderdale, who can score in bunches. They have the talent to do it. North Texas, with Arturo Rodriguez back, can score in oh, bunches. Oh, yeah, R- Rodriguez back, not Domus, yeah. Chattanooga, with a healthy Greg Hurst and Stephen Beatty, can score in bunches. And then you end with Revs 2, where maybe they can't score in bunches, but this is also the same Revs 2 team that has beaten Richmond on the road, thrash Richmond on the road, and thrash Omaha on the road as well, and beat Greenville. So four in a row. Do they have the firepower to keep up with those four teams? And the answer is no. And then the follow-up is, do we think they can do it? Is there anything they can do now? Like any ideas they can throw out there? And it's still no. And, and, you know, look, here's the other thing. If we're going into a playoff format, this sort of hunker down, zero, zero, get the break works a lot better in, in a cup format, right. Than over the course of a season. Um, you gotta, you know, either, you know, create goals on, on set pieces and we've been, that's gone away again. Um, so maybe we just reverted to the mean and, and, you know, our, but, you know, uh, I, I, I'm, if we're going into a playoff format, yeah, you feel a little bit better about a zero, zero grinded out kind of team. Um, but I, I, it's just, you know, we needed a win and we just didn't see, what we needed to get the win. And that, that then is bringing up to me this bigger issue, which is we've never scored goals. We, we briefly had a, and shame on us for getting excited about it. It was, we doomed ourselves. Never get excited about anything kids. Uh, Cause it'll just crush your soul in the long run. But like, you know, we, we had this brief outpouring and it was like, Oh, this is fun. And now, you know, part of it too is I think the general <laughs> circumstances of, you know, you're, you're not a zero, zero match can be a lot of fun if you're pounding 32 ounce beers and screaming at, at people. Um, but when you're, you know, sitting at home on your couch, it was, <laughs> it was, that made it higher. And I, I'm adding now the Keith Ponyma's scale of, of turgitude, uh, the KP sot. Uh, this was a, a solid eight. And I'm wondering if I should add an automatic COVID point to all of the matches what or did subtract we a COVID match point. What's that? What did we give Tucson last week? Let's not aim for, you know, Kyle, Kyle, so maybe I think we give it an eight, maybe a seven and a half this week. I was just going to yeah, say, say it was not, I would say not as bad as Tucson. We have Tucson some is the bar. Tucson and every green Greenville match is the bar. Yeah. And it wasn't that Greenville bad. is a perfect 10. 
Tucson last week, eight, I'll give this a 7.5. Um, yeah. I'll just say, if anybody wants to track these on a spreadsheet, get a life. And remember, consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds. So, you know, do I contradict myself? Yes, because I contain multitudes. Uh, thank you, Walt Whitman. Um, so uh, anything else in the larger world? We have not yet mentioned, Kyle, that uh, Dan looks like sprockets today because he's got a black shirt on. It almost looks turtleneck-esque, you know. He's just going to be putting on some – oh, now now he's put up the hood on it, and now he looks like he got kicked out of the Jedis. Oh, man, that's frightening. That is frightening. Uh, Dan, you find <laughs> – you, you guys will be glad to know I went for my uh, annual physical today. Clean bill of health. Clean bill of health. Nothing like having a – is Nothing your, like having a grown man see you naked on a Monday morning. <laughs> the week can only get better, Dan. Uh, and I had the added bonus of he had a he had a uh, he had a med student with him today, so I had two grown men in the room while I was naked today. So that was that was uh, that's a big Monday morning in the life of Dan Pound. <laughs> I feel like we uh, we buried the lead, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the other thing, my favorite, is, my favorite quote. This is total. This is a humble brag, but I'm going to do it anyway. I, I have, uh, I've lost quite a bit of weight from the last time I saw my doctor. Where he, the last few years, he always tells me you're doing fine, but you could probably stand to lose about, you know, ten to fifteen pounds, maybe a little bit more. Uh, I've lost more than that, and he said, "Wow, no one ever does that when I tell them to." <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> I, I did get, I did have that, uh, that. You got that going for you, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We did also play golf with the illegal stylist on Saturday. Gave us no no advice. I think he's given up on us. Do we still have money? The only advice he gave us was indirect, and that's to always check the back of your car for your clubs before you drive from the north side to the west side to play golf because the clubs are key to being able to play golf. Uh, and And if you forget them, you will then have to meet us on the third hole. Uh, by the way, the legal stylist got out lawyered by his own wife, who the he night did. before said, honey, I moved the clubs out. We had to move the clubs out of the car. Remember, they are in the garage. And he said, yeah, yeah, I remember. And she said, I just mentioned this because I don't want you blaming me tomorrow when you forget. When you them. forget your clubs. <laughs> she, she lawyered him. She definitely lawyered him. So. And then, and then in, in, a, in a local Madison scandal, uh, Jason Ilstrup, big fan of the pod, president of downtown Madison, Inc. Huge for Madison. Almost killed a man uh, with a tee shot on the one hole. Um, the man had to duck for cover as Jason's ball came to rest in the tee box of the next hole, just next to the guy's ball on its own tee. Um, and when the gentleman said, hey, whose ball is this? The three of us all pointed at Jake's. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we walked away from him as fast as we could. Uh, we did yell four, and the guy was very nice about it, we will say. And, uh, you know, but Kyle, this is what you're missing when you don't play golf with us. Also, Kyle, Saturday morning, uh, what's the earliest you'll go out to play golf? I mean, I'm awake early enough because – having a child will do that. So <laughs> yeah. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm Dan, is- 
Dan and I I both want time because you can say eight o'clock and I might be awake, but I'm not in the mood to be moving. Uh, I also think, so we went afterwards, went down to see our friends at Madison chocolate company for lattes afterwards, uh, sitting outside socially distanced. Um, I think Dan and I want to play golf at a time that after the round, it's socially acceptable for us to have beer. I think that's really the, the key to our hearts. I mean, it's Wisconsin. Uh, you can pretty much do that any time of the day. That's true. It's that not alcoholism. True. It's Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> until uh, any last words before we say until next time, forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. me